Business class listeners, this is episode number 192 of Wisco Weekly. I'm your host, Dennis Wisco. Thanks for tuning into the show. Thanks for your support. Thanks for your listens. Thanks for your ratings and reviews. And on this episode, I feature a guest who was formerly on the show about two years ago, Mr. Ali Fawaz of Reputation.com. In this episode, we get into what is the reputation report and specifically how the scoring model works out. It's kind of interesting. They use these three primary buckets, what you'll get to hear about, uh, sentiment, visibility, and engagement. And kind of based on those three buckets, those based on those three pillars, there's a, a set of metrics within each of those. And so you'll get to hear about how their methodology applies to how they look at businesses and how businesses can effectively Im improve their online reputation, which ultimately leads to money, more money. So that is coming up with Mr. Ali Fawaz on this particular episode. Just a couple announcements here. So first off, it's earning season for quarter three. I've been talking about this already. Next week, tune into the show. I will kind of cover this macroeconomic view, one that hopefully puts together a little bit of private and public in there because there, there hasn't been as much unification in what the public sector is evoking in terms of what the economic future is ahead versus what the private sector is alluding to based on their earnings reports. So I want to put together some insight based off of those two particular areas. And spoiler alert, I'm not wrong. I'm not. I don't think I'm wrong in this. I've been thinking about this already for some time, trying to make sense of it. And finally, I think it's being confirmed based on these earnings calls, based on the narrative of the public sector. Where are we in this economy right now? So that's next week. Be sure you're subscribed to the show to not miss that episode. Also, I just released a mini series that I'm super proud of. It took a lot of work to do, and I partnered with my media partner, Automotive Mastermind, produced this mini series that, that points an eye at the tier three automotive space, the, the car dealership business. And looking at some of the decisions they made during the pandemic and effectively kind of how did they get to the, that point of making some of these decisions. So this is a three-part podcast miniseries. It's out right now on Wisco Weekly, but you can also just simply go to Apple Podcasts or you could go to Spotify and you could just search predicting the next paycheck predicting the next paycheck. Similarly, you can go to wiscoweeklypod.com slash predict, and you can find uh, this mini series there. So have a listen to that. So with that being said, let's get into the show with Mr. Ali Fawaz. You are now tuned in to the Wisco Weekly Experience. Babuhai, bienvenidos, vitaita, willkommen, and welcome to Wisco Weekly Business Class. Hello, how are you doing? On the show today, I am, I'm always grateful when a, a prior guest comes back onto the show, because then it's, it's, it's part business and part pleasure now, you know, so we, we just get to catch up. Certainly, 
one of the things that has been going on in the business landscape, let's just look at it from an overall business landscape, is the acceleration of e-commerce. Most people are at home doing a lot, a lot more shopping these days. And hence, that is affecting how then they transition to going to a place of business. In this particular episode, we're going to be talking about the dealership going to a dealership or maybe the dealership coming to them. And then effectively, how that translates into the reputation of that business. You know, what's how did the customer feel? What did the customer think? And effectively, what did they end up saying on a review? Joining me on the episode today is a prior guest of the show in which we met last year, although it seems very, very long time ago, where we talked about the reputation management of automotive dealerships. So joining me today on the show, prior guests, men, women, and children, please welcome Mr. Ali Fawaz, the Managing Director of the Head of Automotive Strategy at Reputation.com. Ali, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. It's great to be back here with you again. Thank you for having me. It, it's it's good to see you, my friend. Even though we do this virtually now, um, though I think we've we've ran into each other enough times at at prior events that again we're catching up now. I mean, first tell me something. How has life in 2021 been treating you? You know what? We're taking it in stride. A lot of Zoom meetings, um, and this is just another testament to how we've pivoted. Right. I think every industry has had to pivot. And, and so we in our day to day and what we do. Uh, but you know what? At the end of the day, knock on wood, everything's going well. Hey, so just a quick digression here I, with all these Zoom calls. Right. You're probably on more virtual chats and meetings than I am. Like if you had to pass off, you know, your two best, three best tips on how you handle cope uh, with these calls, with these Zoom meetings, what's a, you know, how do you cope best? How do you, you know, what, what tips, practices make you deal with it the best? Schedule some breaks in between, block off your calendar and, and, and whether it's to set time to, to strategize or set time to just clear your head. Otherwise, you'll find yourself quickly rolling in a back-to-back-to-back scenario of Zoom meetings because what once used to be you know, something that you can handle over cooler talk in five minute conversation suddenly has become a 30 minute or hour long Zoom meeting, which could have just been, hey, I'm going to pass by so and so's desk and just nudge them real quick and ask them a question. So um, my suggestion to everybody is bake in some time where you block off your calendar and put some strategy time or thinking time for yourself. That's true. It's like, you know, if, if you're on a, a, a video chat, like now you are kind of forced to be in the presence of others, right? Which then only lends itself to water cooler talk. That's like, okay, well, I already did water cooler talk with somebody else. And now, now I got to do it with you too. And it's like, okay, yeah, we, we, I, need, I need the breaks. I need the breaks. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Fair enough. Well, Ali, every year reputation.com puts together a report that grades the reputation, the sentiment of the automotive space. You guys have recently put out your latest survey. I think one of the things that would be interesting that we can start off with so that we have a baseline is really defining and describing this reputation score, this reputation score that has certain elements about it. And mm -hmm. effectively, 
you know, what that culminates to in terms of how you take actionable insights off of that, right? So ultimately, tell me about what is the reputation score? What comprises the reputation score? Um, yeah, so reputation score is comp- uh, is composed of uh, several different elements. Um, there's things like uh, uh, sentiment, uh, engagement score, uh, and and and, and uh, there there's components that ladder into these that uh, essentially are what makes your business or your retail dealership. Uh, really stand out when somebody performs a search. So the factors that that ladder into this are things like review spread, review recency, review uh, uh, length, um, your your business listing information. Is it accurate? Meaning, you know, do you have phone numbers in place, links back to your website? Um, there are all, all these elements that go into uh, the, the makeup of, of, of reputation score. Uh, and ultimately they, they kind of ladder into what makes you easily found. So for your store to get found, uh, and, and then how do you potentially get chosen by your customers as well? Right. So getting found is really comes down to, well, um, when I perform a local search dealer near me, is your store appearing uh, in, in that search? Meaning, have you claimed yourself on Google My Business? Um, do you have a presence on Facebook? Uh, do you have reviews on Dealer Raider or on Cars.com? Um, and and so those are part of the you know the components that uh, make up the uh, uh, you know wh- whether you're you're being found. Uh, much, and then you, how yeah. much does presence? relate to activity. So if somebody has a Google business or a Facebook, right, they have it. And maybe, you know, because one of the things that I see a lot with dealerships is that they'll have a Facebook. Probably five years ago, they developed, you know, they spent money on ads to build up the Facebook. So then they have, you know, a local store in a small town has like 20,000 likes or follows, but there's not a whole lot of activity. So what's the difference between presence and activity? Yeah, there is, a, there is a difference, right? So having a presence is just one part is great. You've claimed yourself there. Um, but activity is, is the next component where even, even Google looks to see if you have activity going on. So for example, if you've refreshed or added new photos to your GMB profile page, um, Google is actually more likely to serve you up higher when somebody performs a local search and says, you know, service near me. Well, if you haven't updated anything on your GMB page in, in two years, you're probably not going to take over one of those top tier spots. Um, same with your social media presence. Uh, in fact, Google even looks at your social media presence on other platforms to see if there's activity there. And that goes into part of their factory. Um, social media, same factor. If, if I'm a customer and I'm on Facebook or I'm on a, a, a platform and I'm doing a search for, for dealerships and I see that you haven't posted anything in three years, Chances are I'm going to go to the next dealer over who looks like they're engaging with their audience. They're responding back. There's activity there. For all I know, that other dealership has closed their doors. You know, so so it, it does matter. And, and there are uh, those are factors that have to be considered. OK, so so you've you've mentioned some of the different criteria as a part of the reputation score, uh, review spread, review responses, social engagement. Um, tell me then. As this criteria starts to get filled up, are there scores associated with these different criterias and then they culminate ultimately in the reputation score or what's how does that work? 
Yeah, there's different weights attributed, right? Okay. So we have different weights attributed to different components. So take, for example, um, essentially there's three major areas, the sentiment, visibility, and engagement. Okay. Um, and within those, there are different things that fall into these buckets. So, um, uh, for example, the, the, the sentiment. Sentiment is essentially your star ratings, right? Five stars versus one star. Obviously, that's something we're going to weight heavily because that's a major factor that consumers look at when they're making a decision whether they're going to do business with you. If you, if you have an average of two stars versus the dealership down the street has a 4.5-star average, chances are they're going to go to that store. So, so our weighting system is based on these kind of components. Um, and, and so sentiment has... Uh, uh, has some some more weight to it. Um, the algorithm also determines things like uh, I think I mentioned uh, um, review length. Now the review length you don't have as much uh, control over that, right? Customer decides they're going to write a paragraph long uh, review, whether good or bad. The longer that is, the more credibility there is in that review. This is just how, how it's seen by those who are reading it. So because of that, it. it it, uh, it becomes worth a little bit more or it can hurt you more. So if it's a negative review that went on for a couple of paragraphs long, there's more negative points, we'll call it, attributed towards you. So that would potentially bring your score down. Uh, but when we weight these things, the, the sentiment score, right? Your average star rating, that's going to hurt you more than the length of a review. There's different weights that are attributed to this. And these, all, these kind of factors go into the algorithm uh, that, that determines kind of what your reputation score is. And today we have um, many OEMs who use reputation score specifically to be able to identify their leaders and their laggards, right? And, and, and they strategized around what areas does the brand need help uh, at the retail store level to elevate themselves um, and, and to work with their dealers and figure out, okay, what do we need to do to generate more engagement? Meaning on the engagement side to respond more to our customers who are leaving us reviews or respond more to our customers who are engaging with us on Facebook and asking us questions there, or maybe on chat. Uh, and are the dealers actually monitoring those components and engaging back with the customers who are asking for it? And, and we know there's all kinds of data that tells us people want to chat with you on those kind of, on those platforms. And they want you to respond to them pretty immediately. The those three buckets: uh, sentiment, visibility, and engagement. Um, are you are you surprised at all, or do you think that's in twenty twenty one versus twenty twenty versus twenty nineteen that there should be more or less weight given to those buckets? Like you know, should is is sentiment. Um, a bucket that should have more weight in 2021 versus 2020. So our our data science team looks and evaluates uh, the 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 uh, reputation score on an ongoing basis because sites come and go. Um, uh, the the weighting has to be adjusted based on what we see in the space as well. Uh, for example, um, there there. The, the the amount of weight that's attributed to a Google review has only increased over time because mm. back in the day, if you think about it, Google wasn't really a major player in the review space. Interesting. Uh, they almost stumbled across it and became suddenly one of the most dominant players, way overshadowing, overtaking Yelp, for example. Mm. And Yelp, we're finding year after year, declining in in especially in the auto space in terms of you know uh, their value. So so we're always looking to see what what which sites make the most sense 
to monitor, to weigh, to scale, and, and, and how much do we attribute to them? So those factors are things that our data science team is constantly evaluating based on what's happening in the industry, based on what's happening in, in the space. Um, and and when it comes to sentiment and comes to star ratings themselves and, and the language, so we do thematic analysis as well. So beyond just the five stars, we're looking at the verbiage, what's being said specifically. So somebody could get a five-star review, but somewhere in that paragraph long review, there was a knock on the dealership to say, however, I wish that they had fresh coffee for us while we were waiting, well, but they still gave them a five-star review. Right? I, so- I can, I can attest to that. I think there's been <laughs> many a times that either I personally have had a review of myself where after, you know, when I worked at specifically an Audi store, I worked with a customer, I gave them great service. They loved me. And they, and, you know, of course I go into that hard pitch of, Hey, you know, please consider us giving us a review, blah, 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 blah. They write the review and it goes five stars. But then in the comments, then they start yeah. dinging the dealership for this, that, you know, and then of course, but Dennis was great. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And, th- and that's where reputation score comes into play, uh, where it gives the dealership the ability to learn from that language. So rather than just sit, taking it at face value, great, we got a five-star review. The sentiment analysis, the thematic analysis that, that we're, we're doing then puts points towards what there was, what was said there. So there was a negative ding there that goes into the algorithm and that, that becomes part of the factory. So and, this and, allows you to go deeper. And tell me how many years now has this reputation report been produced? So this is the uh, third uh, automotive reputation report. Uh, we, yeah, we've been uh, our our reputation score. We've been around for almost ten years now. Uh, so our, our natural language processing is by far by far the the most uh, I, I guess we'll call it sophisticated because we've been running it for so long. Um, it, it, it's had so much time to learn. Uh, and and grow with us. But as far as the report goes, this is our, our, our third year doing the automotive reputation report. Okay. So Ali in the report. All right. So now we have a baseline. Um, reputation score has been going around for three years. You've been fine tuning it. You've been generating results every year and then kind of weighing those results against each other from previous years. And then also seeing, you know, what the market is looking like. You know, what, what, what is, what is the market saying? And then kind of bringing balance to all of that, to put, to bring it back to this reputation score. So in the report, then if you list out the top five public U S dealership groups, and this is something that I am very much in tune with in terms of these, these publicly traded companies, number one is Penske automotive group. Second is Sonic automotive, third auto nation, fourth group one, five, Asbury Automotive Group. These are the top five publicly traded dealership groups that score the highest on the reputation score. Give us the 30,000 foot overall thread that connects these five stores or these five groups. So so, so this year, the, the bar was definitely high for making the top 100 list of dealers in our, in our 2021 report, right? And, and the top 100 dealerships in 2021 report actually earned a reputation score of 884 or above. 
okay. which is pretty significant, right? Uh, and so that's about 271 points above the industry average. So that's what I mean by the bar is really set pretty high. And, and so the average engagement score for all brands in the study was around, was 69%. Now that said, brands still have a way to go before they reach you know, that 100% response rate that we would recommend that everybody respond to every review that comes in, right? Now, Hendrick, they had an impressive five dealers that actually rounded out the top 10. Um, Hendrick's, uh, Hendrick Lug- uh, Lexus of Charleston rose actually from the number four uh, in last year's report to the number one in this uh, updated report this year. Now, Ali, uh, and then followed by, yeah. Ali, one second here. So are you referring to the private dealership groups or the public ones here? Oh, so I, I think this is a, 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 a mix here. Um, Cause you had mentioned Hendrick and I see that Hendrick is, uh, the number one on the private side. Right. I got to pull up the, uh, take your time, the dealer group slide. No worries. Take your time. And business class listeners, while Ali pulls this up, as noted on the previous episode, the earnings calls for quarter three are coming up here. So there's going to be a lot of earnings calls I will be doing covering Penske, Sonic, AutoNation, Group One, Asbury, Lithia. Lithia actually just announced today and they're killing it on their sales. So it's this is kind of an interesting time in automotive right now with the chip shortage, with the with the COVID situation dealerships, automotive groups, all the, this, this entire industry is still doing pretty well, still doing pretty healthy. Tesla's even reporting today. Tesla is going crazy in after hours activity right now. Oh my God. Tesla, you know, Tesla is one of those stocks, Ali, that is just, it's gambling. I I don't often like to say that too much, but like, there's just so much activity, so much volume on Tesla. And, and look in terms of uh, their engineering, you know, systems and their operation and their technology stack. I mean, they're a legitimate global player. And I i don't know if you're aware, but uh, they decided to leave California, at least the headquarters. Oh, I didn't know that. They're, they're leaving the, their headquarters or is leaving California? Their headquarters is moving out of California. Now, it's not a huge surprise because this has always been talked about. Elon already resides in Texas, but they did make the official announcement a couple of weeks ago that the headquarters is moving from California to Texas. In Texas, they have a plant over there that uh, they built, so they'll be producing more cars out of Texas. They're still keeping the plant in Fremont, California, but again, a lot of the, what I would say, the the intellectual property of Tesla is all moving to Texas now, which is sad for, for my home state. I hear you. I hear you. I wonder if, he, if he's moving out there because of the uh, SpaceX program. It makes it's, you wonder. It's it's a lot of things. It's a lot of yeah. things. It's, it, it's a lot of things. All right. Uh, do you have the, okay. uh, yeah. Yeah. So looking at the, uh, you, you want to look at the private first? Where no, let's, 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 let's focus public. on public right now. Focus on sure. public. So again, yeah. you have Penske, Sonic, AutoNation, Group One, Asbury. I don't know how many like dealership rooftops are under the top five, but I would have to think we're, we're definitely in the thousands. I don't know if tens of thousands, but in the high thousands, give or take below 10,000 or right about there. Anyhow, it's, it's, a, it's a lot of dealerships. So yeah, t- tell us what, what, what is the common thread that you're seeing with these top five dealership groups? So something that's definitely up there for, for the top five, so for these guys, if you look at their engagement, 
the engagement is above 90% for each one of these guys. That means there's a strategy in play at each of these dealer groups to make sure that their locations are actually at the helm, have control and see the feedback that's coming in uh, to those stores, whether it's feedback from reviews or social media channels or chat, wherever that engagement is happening, they're making sure that they're listening and they're responding back. Um, and so something that happens in, the, in that process, when you're responding back, and, and that means you're listening, by virtue of doing that, you're essentially absorbing the information that's coming in. And that allows you to make the changes that are necessary for your store to improve and get better versus stores who are not doing so much on the engagement side, um, I, I think that's where they're missing out because they're missing out on opportunities to to understand what their customers are saying and telling them that they're doing well or that they're doing poorly so they can improve upon those things. So it's not a coincidence that those stores are all really high on engagement at that point. Okay. The other thing to, uh, worth noting is, is that, so Penske shot up this year and they took that number one spot on the public side. Um, the thing that really stood out for them was that their sentiment score uh, was really b- by far uh, higher than any of the others uh, at 81%, trailing and, them in the number two spot with Sonic. And, uh, and, and, at 70. and sentiment, again, we're looking at the ratings and also the, mm-hmm. you know, the, the processing of the, of the text through the natural Correct. processing language. So those two areas are where, Penske and Sonic are scoring high because the the sentiment is very high, very favorable. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so when we look at uh, sentiment, that that is exactly what it is. It, it's the star rating. It's the feedback that you're hearing. So Penske is is doing a phenomenal job on that customer service side of things, right? Providing exceptional service to their customers. Is there is there any is, is there something that this may be more of a general question too, but you know, based on the last three years, is there anything about this year's report that has surprised you? I don't know if it's too much of a surprise, but I, I would say uh, um, customer service. Um, so in, in this report, we, as part of the study, we actually examined uh, and looked at customer service and, and reviews are more important than ever at this point. Uh, what we learned was in 2021, uh, review volume was actually higher than than it's ever been than previous years. Given that we're in a COVID year, you would think that maybe numbers would have dropped off when in fact they're still breaking records. Um, nearly 80% of consumers say that reviews are important and 41% say that they'll actually read at least five reviews before they ever even visit the dealership, right? So um, I, I think that's a testament to um, to to where the digital review spaces and how customers really rely on uh, on word of mouth for where they decide they're going to shop for a vehicle or service their vehicle. Um, additionally, customer service uh, is the main driver of positive ratings for auto dealerships. So um, seeing Penske in that number one spot and seeing that they had the 81% on, on the sentiment, which was the highest for the dealer groups uh, on the public sector, I think kind of correlates with, with our findings in the study, right? So, um, you know, despite the rise of digital and digital retailing, buying a car still remains largely a human-centered type of activity, right? People want that face-to-face uh, engagement. They want their hand to be held. Um, 65% of car shoppers told us that they're influenced significantly by in-person visits. 
So that, was, so that was a little bit of a surprise. The the customer service then. So this is not necessarily. Yeah, this is just the overall. So I'm I'm thinking is is this more like on the on the you know service side, or no, is this no, on this the is, sales this is, side? This is the customer service in general. This is not speaking about you know our, our service or fixed ops, but just how you treat the customer when they come in the door. Um, are you you know are they coming in for a test drive? Are you making them wait 20 minutes before you find the keys and get them out in the, in the car, or, or or are you greeting them immediately? Uh, how are you handling the tough conversations when it comes to whether it's price or the chip shortage? Um, there's highly sensitive conversations around these things, and 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 dealers that are doing a phenomenal job on on the customer customer service side of things, of answering customers' uh, uh, questions and solving their problems for them um, are, are being rewarded with positive reviews. Now, on the flip side of that, um, price is the top driver of negative ratings right now is what we found. Um, in fact, dealers, they need to manage the customer's expectations about price during these shortages that, that we're seeing now um, because um, because our demand is really outstripping supplies. And what we found is that 82% of consumers that we surveyed with YouGov said that price is as important of a consideration, if not more than any other factor that they're looking at. You know, I, I can see a lot of dealers just like turning in their beds as they have to switch to this process of talking about price up front talking about payment, uh, talking about all those things, mostly up front when the training of a lot of staff has been kind of, you know, defer, 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 defer to the very end, you know, sell the sizzle, sell the sizzle. And so now they're having a lot of these dealerships now are probably having to kind of reverse that a little bit and deal from the start of tackling this issue of price because yeah, especially these days with inflation prices is, is, is overwhelmingly the number one issue that customers are always going to be worried about. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, not to say to dealers that you, you can't price your vehicles where you want to price them. That's absolutely your right. And you should be yeah, able to, right, right. It's, it's, it's a matter of how are you handling the conversation? Right. So I think customers just don't want to be surprised when it comes to price, right. They, they don't want, to have fees tacked on at the very end of the process that they didn't know about. So as long as you're transparent and upfront with how your pricing structure is, or you know what what they're paying for, so that they're not surprised, I think that eliminates and alleviates a lot of the potential heartburn or anxiety that customers may have. Okay, so for the top five publicly traded auto groups, we're seeing that uh, let's say specifically Penske and Sonic, they're very very high on their sentiment analysis score. Um, and then in general, if you look at the engagement of these top five, that's one of the reasons why these are the top five. They're, they're responding, they're understanding the business. They know what the hell is going on so that they can respond accordingly. Absolutely. Um, you had mentioned that, uh, you worked with an organization or a company called YouGov to kind of help supplement some additional data. Um, so, uh, so obviously you have your own first party data, which you're, you know, those are all going to be mostly in the, you know, the automakers and the dealerships. And then it, am I understanding this correctly? Then you work with YouGov and they then supply this third party data, this consumer data, or tell me a little bit about YouGov and the relationship there. Yeah. YouGov is a highly respected third party, uh, uh, organization who, what what they've done is essentially they help us go out and, and and answer questions that we have about the car shopping 
experience from customers. So essentially, okay. they went out and they they supplied the uh, the the uh, I guess we'll call them the, the, the candidates who, who who are providing us feedback on their shopping experience in particular, right? And so so that's where some of that third party data comes from. Our data is as it relates to hard specific data from reviews or from surveys, things that we're, we're capturing, or from you know social media platforms or GMB from Google My Business. So that's that's the data we call the data that's in the wild or unstructured data. It's out there and it's living on different sites and it's uh, it's public information that we essentially are digesting and, and uh, analyzing our platform. And then it, is YouGov also the, have you been with them again with since the start um, when producing this reputation report then too? Um, this is actually the first year that we work with YouGov. Oh, this is first year. Do you do you recall who you guys use in the past? Uh, I do not, unfortunately, no. All right, so let's 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 then talk about the what is this? What are the the actionable items, right? What what is the what's the ROI on taking this reputation score and making sense out of it? What what's the ROI that we can expect a business to understand this and and what they can expect coming out of it? Yeah, that, that's the uh, famous question, right? It's always, well, what does this mean? Tie it back to ROI for me. And we had that question come up enough times that we said, great, we'll work with you guys and, and, and figure out what the ROI is on here. And so we work with several uh, large OEMs and, uh, and, and large dealer groups for that matter. And we've done the study for a, a number of years now. Uh, and, and we do it you know, whether it's at the OEM level or, or large dealer group level uh, with consistent results that we found uh, time after time. Uh, but there's an there's a correlation between improvement in reputation score and sales volume. And what we found in our in our studies that um, a dealership who improves by uh, up to 150 points uh, and this was a study that we did in, we do in a, about a six month period. Uh, those stores that improve by 150 points on the reputation score see an uplift of up to 10% in sales volume. Now, on the flip side, we said, okay, well, let's look at the dealers who maybe their score has taken a, a tumble. And we looked at stores in that same period that had a 50 point or more decrease in reputation score. And there was about a 3%, uh, almost a 3% decrease in sales volume. Um, so there is a direct tie between how you're managing your online reputation and the sales volume at your store. One of the things that I think about is then how, because obviously, right, if, if, uh, if, if I'm a general manager and I'm listening to this, I'm like, well, where the hell do I find the time to be able to put together a, an operation to manage my reputation so that I can improve my score 150 points so I can get that 10% bump? I mean, like how, because, you know, I, I would think that a lot of dealerships are a bit constrained right now with staff and labor. What what do you what do you recommend on how a business can you know operationalize this data? Yeah, that that's the that's a great question, and really, every store should should have a strategy around their reputation, right? I mean, looking at the reviews that are coming in from from GMB, I mean, that's a beacon for your store that really you have to be listening to what's coming in uh, uh, as well. It, it's, it's a, it's a listening board. 
uh, where you have to hear what, what's happening. But at the same time, it's also a beacon telling your customers, look how good we are, come and do business with us. So it's doing two things for you. Um, but to have a strategy in place to analyze all this information and measure it and then put the steps in place to, to, to action those items, um, you really need to have a dedicated resource who's managing this. And, mm. and, and as you mentioned, it, right now it's tough times to, as far as having resources because I'm sure you'd rather have anybody you, you have on the floor selling instead. Um, that's where I think the, the reputation platform comes into play, uh, where the platform will actually give you your score, you'll see your daily uh, uh, score, where you rank, uh, and you'll know uh, uh, what you can action to improve your score uh, month after month. Because not only are we telling you, well, here's your score and here's what the industry average is, but we're going one step beyond that and we'll actually provide you with, here are three tips that'll help improve your score by X points. If you, you know, if you captured, you know, 10 more reviews on Facebook this month, you can see about a three point lift on your score. If you responded to, you know, X number of more reviews this month, you could see a two point lift in your score and so on. So, and these recommendations are specifically for that location. So th there's a way to actually put an action plan in, in, in play to improve and that's where, you know, let us do the heavy lifting for you when it comes to the re review space and the online reputation management so that we, you guys can do what's best, Ali, you do best, which is sell cars. Ali, you're such the benevolent king. That's right. Let, let, let Ali take care of you. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> well, Ali, um, this is, this is great information. I thank you for, for sharing this. Um, you know, maybe just a last question more on the personal side of things. You know, one of the things that I always like to think about if, you know, if I'm in your shoes or if I'm in who's ever shoes, right, is decisions, making decisions, right? Like if, if someone's going to consider reputation.com, if someone's going to make a decision on what's the best strategy for their business, you know, if, if you're a, as a parent, you're helping your child to make decisions, how do you make decisions? I make decisions by having the insight that I need in front of me and analyzing that information first. Once I have all the information in front of me, then I can make a proper decision versus a guess, right? So, um, I, I mean, you have to know what uh, what's being said or what the factors are, the criteria that you're using to make a decision have to be in front of you um, before you can take an action or, or, or make a decision, essentially. Do you, um, would you, would you pose the question first before you started looking at the data of, okay, this is the decision that I'm looking to make now let's look at the data or is it look hmm. at the data first and then make the decision based off the data? Definitely look at the data first. Let, let mm. the data tell you something that you probably didn't know versus coming into a situation with a preconceived notion, then you're going to automatically look for that and maybe you're going to ignore what the data is actually telling you. So go in with a clean slate, look at the data, let the data tell you something. Business class listeners, that's Ali Fawaz of reputation.com. Check the episode notes to find more information about the reputation report and get in touch with Ali. Ali, when are we going to see each other again, brother? 
you know, hopefully soon. I hope you're you're, you're getting out there. And, and next time you're in Michigan, look me up and uh, let's grab lunch. I've been meaning um, to come out to Michigan, so I will definitely let you know. Definitely. Well, one thing I did want to, I, I just wanted to mention one thing, just in case there are some of your listeners who are wondering what their reputation score is. Okay. Uh, and if they're not in the top 100 and they downloaded the report, they didn't see themselves there, they can go to repscore.com. And when they get there, they can actually type in their dealership's name and see exactly what their score is. So they don't actually have to have our platform to see where they rank right now. But that's, that's cool. repscore.com. That's cool. Hopefully, though, it won't be too much of a shock if they find themselves down at the bottom. But that's at that's, least that's they've the reality. now discovered it. That's yeah, correct. And then they can make a decision off of it, right? That's exactly it. Business class listeners, thanks for tuning into this episode of Wisco Weekly. As we end every episode, cheers. Prost lechaim, kipis nastravi salu, kampai mabruk tutsim, kambe yamas nastarovie, vo salute en saugi to the customer experience. Business class listeners, thanks for tuning into this episode of Wisco Weekly. If you enjoyed the show. Please do provide Wisco Weekly a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. I'll be here again next week. Wisco Weekly is providing this information for educational purposes only. We are not providing legal, accounting, or financial advisory services, and this is not a solicitation or recommendation to buy or sell any stocks, options, or other financial instruments or investments. Examples that address specific assets, stocks, options or other financial instrument transactions are for illustrative purposes only and may not represent specific trades or transactions that we have conducted. In fact, we may use examples that are different or the opposite of transactions we have conducted or positions we hold. This site and any information or training therein is also not intended as a solicitation for any future relationship, business or otherwise between the members or participants and the moderators. No express or implied warranties are being made with respect to these services and products. All investing and trading in the securities market involves risk. Any decisions to place trades in the financial markets, including trading in stock or options or other financial instruments, is a personal decision that should only be made after thorough research, including a personal risk and financial assessment, and the engagement of professional assistance to the extent you believe necessary.